0: And We will be looking at verses 14 through to 19, so John chapter 17, 14 to 19. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank You for Your Word and how it is to us, a lamp unto our feet and a light to our pathway, and we pray that it will be the truth that swells up into us with eternal life and love for God. We pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, before you get to verse 14 and you look at this prayer, there's a number of uh, different sort of ideas or concepts, however you want to put it, that are uh, arising in this prayer. And one of them that you could uh, zero in on is the uh, concept of argumentation, that Jesus is actually arguing. And we think of argumentation as a bad thing, that was a, uh, they had a row, they had a, uh, a fight. But Uh, argumentation in a sort of classical understanding is something like a disputation. You put forth an argument. And Jesus is actually putting forth an argument to His Father why He should do certain things for His Son. And prayer should be a type of argumentation with God. Why should God do the things that you would like Him to do? I fear too many people merely ask God to do things without establishing why God should do those things. And if you can establish why God should do the things you're asking for, you will have greater expectation that the prayers will be answered, greater assurance that the prayers will be answered. So you have to ask yourself, in what way am I praying like Christ so that I can expect my prayers will be answered because I've argued that this God should answer them. So as you go back today, perhaps you have time to read. Read the first 13 verses along the lines of a holy argument Christ is putting forth to His Father. There's a number of other ideas and themes, of course, but that's one, and I trust it will be helpful to you. Now, he continues after speaking of the believers and disciples receiving the joy that comes from Christ. He now speaks about how he has given to his disciples God's Word. And because they have received the truth, the Word of God, there is an inescapable conclusion from that. And what is that? The world has hated them. They have received the truth. They have received the truth that Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God, and many other truths. And as a result of that, the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. The hatred of the world is still something that many of us struggle to either accept or experience. And maybe you don't accept the hatred of the world because you don't experience the hatred of the world. When was the last time that someone in the world, a non-Christian, really had a go at you because of your faith and really had a go at you? I'm not saying you aren't persecuted in a thousand other ways. There can be forms of persecution that are indirect. They can be ways you don't even know about where you're being treated unjustly and unfairly because you are a Christian and they know that. But when was the last time you actually received some opposition because you are a Christian? My boys like to do this thing called thrift shopping. It would never have occurred to me uh, at their age, to go into second-hand clothing stores and buy uh, things that had been worn by who knows, who knows, <laughs> and who knows what detergent was used to clean them. There's all sorts of questions that I have in my head that are not probably wise to keep stating from the pulpit. But as we leave the thrift shop and Josh managed to get a few things out of me and Thomas just walked by and did like this. Like he didn't want to be caught getting something from the thrift store. So just snuck a t-shirt on there, which was fine. We go past this Jamaican uh, store, which serves hot food. And uh, the boys wanted to go in and get a snack. So we go in and uh, we see the two beef samosas and then a drink and we're all happy. And I go to tap with my phone, which has my credit card on it, but he doesn't accept credit card, only debit or cash. And I didn't have my wallet with me. I don't even know where it was. And uh, I was in a bit of a predicament. So this gentleman who owns the store uh, asks what my boy's names are. And I says, well, that's uh, Josh and that's Thomas. He says, oh, those are religious names. And my eyes are up. He says, yes, I'm a pastor. (laughs) He's like, oh, you don't want to talk to me. And you know me, I was like, actually, I do. (laughs) Full of confidence, as one would expect. I mean, I can deal with anyone in a Jamaican uh, store of food. He says, oh no, you don't want to deal with me. He says, I'll tell you what, if you give me a few minutes to talk to you, you can have the food for free. And given the fact that I didn't have a wallet and my phone only had the credit card on, I didn't really have much choice with this gentleman, whose name was James. Another name... I'm told from the Bible. After that, he unleashed a fury, an onslaught, using the Bible against the Christian faith. I could repeat many of his arguments, some of which I've heard, others which were Uh, really just delusions of his own mind. But it wasn't really a debate because I didn't really have a chance to get any words in. In fact, several times I had to say, well, if you could just let me explain, I could have an answer for you. He wasn't interested in any answers. This was a diatribe that left my son's jaws down. A gentleman walked into the store while he was yelling at me about a sadomasochistic God that I serve, came in and thought, this is probably not the place I want to be and just walked right out. This was unlike anything I've ever experienced. He used Job. He used Abraham. He went to Genesis 22. I'm like, that's my text. And he tries to give like, he kind of knows the Bible, doesn't really have the quotes and stuff. And so I'm trying to explain, well, that's not what it says. Then he cuts me off. And he just says, you know, you boys, when you grew up, you're going to realize that your dad was wrong. So it's going after them. I did find out he spent four years in jail, but that's probably not relevant the point was, is that this guy actually hated the truth. And in a certain sense, it was almost refreshing to finally get someone who told me exactly what he thought. I did get the food for free, by the way. Because, you know, we're all renowned for being polite in Canada and it's more indifference rather than opposition. And so, yeah, this guy actually said, your God Is sadistic. The truth you believe is not truth. It is not facts. And he went on and on and on. And it reminded me that people do actually hate the truth. And they will mock you for being a pastor of falsehoods. Or they will mock you for being a Christian who believes in things that cannot be, according to their scheme of things, proven. And that is because we have been given the word and the word is not something that is to remain silent or private. And so the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now, notice he also prays in light of the opposition of the world for his disciples to be kept from the evil one. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Now, this is most interesting Because we, as maybe parents or individuals, uh, don't like situations where we are uncomfortable, where there is persecution, where there is suffering. And what Christ is praying for here is something that is, I think, a wake-up call to many Christians living in places such as Vancouver or wherever else the case may be, who think that their duty is to get up and leave and go somewhere safer. Somewhere where they can respect the government. Somewhere where they can live their lives as they want to. Now, I'm not saying that is necessarily wrong, but please listen to me for just a few minutes. I remember sitting in the lounge of a dear friend one night, Sunday night, and he was telling me, I've had it with Vancouver. I've had it with this country. I'm moving to America. And I said, no, we need you here. If all of the faithful Christians leave Vancouver, where will the light be? Where will the salt be? Where will the witness be? Where will be the people who are going to persevere in the midst of opposition? Now, he ended up leaving and taking his family. But the point is, Jesus actually says, I am praying that you do not take them out of the world. And that is not lift them up from earth. He's actually saying in John's Gospel, I am praying that you do not take them out of a place of hostile opposition to God. And the reason we know that is because, he says, but you keep them from the evil one. I want you to remain in the world, Christ is saying, in a place of hostile opposition, in a place of persecution, in a place of suffering. But I'm going to protect you in the midst of that so that you can be lights and salt. I would love to go to the Seychelles. I could go to the Seychelles. I actually could. And I could get a nice little boat there. And a fishing rod. And I don't know how to fish, but I'm a reasonably talented individual with coordination. I'd learn after a few years. And I'd probably take my JBL thing to have some music and Bluetooth. And I'd say some prayers for you. I really would. I'd say, oh, bless those dear people at faith. Bless them. I'd even send some money. I'd pray for some missionaries. And I'd enjoy the sun. And I'd enjoy a nice glass of wine at night. And I just hope that you're fighting the good fight here. And it would do absolutely nothing for my sanctification. We have to remember that as you read the Scriptures, as you look at church history, Christians are not those who escape the world, but live faithfully in the world so that they can impact the lives of people who were once going astray, but by our faithful witness are led to the Good Shepherd. I do not ask that You take them away from opposition, but that You keep them from the evil one who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour. Jesus prays, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have You that He might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. I have prayed for you that you remain in the world that your faith may not fail. You can take your name right now if you are a Christian and put it right there. Instead of Simon, Simon, put your name right there. And that is something that Christ has prayed for you. Simon, Simon. Tanya. Carmela. Mitch. Mitch. Behold, Satan demanded to have you, as he has many. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Christ prays for protection in a hostile place. And then reminds us of something that he's already spoken of in verse 16. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. You know, I've heard recently in the news that... uh, the Americans uh, are claiming, some, that there is, uh, they have seen aliens. And uh, now it is interesting that the aliens should happen to land in America of all places. If you look at UFO sightings, they all seem to be in America. I don't know what it is about the way the globe is shaped that they would say, well, we really should go to America. <laughs> and, you know, there's uh, speculation about... Uh, Uh, extraterrestrials. And someone asked me even last night, do you believe in extraterrestrials? In fact, he asked his fiance to make sure she didn't either, just so that they could continue their courtship and get married. Why, Why are you looking at Bart? We have no idea if it was him. But he doesn't believe in extraterrestrials, neither does Heather. That I found out. Now, the correct answer is I worship with a bunch of extraterrestrials every Sunday. Technically, if you look at the Latin, the extra means outside, out of. And terrestrials, of this world. So you want to just play etymology. We are not of this world. And actually, isn't that amazing that the text actually says that? They are not of this world. You could say if you were writing the message and maybe Eugene Peterson missed a golden opportunity here, they are extraterrestrials. Just as I am not of the world. In other words, your identity as a Christian will shape how you live. That's always been the case. Who are you? determines how you live. You don't live in order to find out who you are. You find out who you are in order to determine how you live. And if you are not of this world, then you can't be attached to this world. If you really believe that identity. And so Jesus will say, I am not of this world. It's not just an ontological claim that he's the eternal son of God. It's a moral claim that he is not given to this world. He's not enticed by this world. He's not allured by this world. He can say the world has no hold on Him, but that also we should be just like our Savior. We are not of this world. We are not worldly. Anyone who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in Him. Now, how is it that we are not of this world in a moral sense? Well, we are sanctified by the truth. Notice verse 17. Sanctify them in the truth. You could probably better translate it. Sanctify them by the truth. It could go either way. I think the meaning is essentially the same. Our sanctification happens in the context of the truth. But also that our sanctification happens by the truth. And the reason I think that is because of the next word. Your word is truth. John Owen calls this verse the blessed spring of our holiness. And really... He's absolutely correct. The reason that we have any holiness, any goodness, any righteousness in us is because Christ has prayed that this would happen. Sanctify them in the truth. Sanctify them by the truth because your word is truth. Now what you find in Scripture, not just here, but that there is an inseparable connection between truth and righteousness. So if you are going to be righteous or holy, it must be because the truth has made you so. So, in 1 Corinthians thirteen six, we are told, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Love rejoices in the truth. Ephesians 5, 9, For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and Truth, righteousness and truth, love and truth. The psalmist says, I have chosen the way of truth. I've set my heart on your laws. You cannot have righteousness without truth. And that is what Christ is praying for. Sanctify them in the truth. The converse is also true. Without truth, there will be godlessness. So, for example, in Romans 1.18, Paul says the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who do what? Who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Where there is wickedness, there is falsehood. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator. In other words, where you give up truth, you give up holiness. If you want holy people, there must be truth. There must be God's truth, Christ's truth. In fact, a very shocking passage in The Man of Lawlessness in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 Paul speaks of the coming of the lawless one by the activity of Satan who will have power and he will have false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refused to love the truth. Why will people perish? They do not love the truth. And so be saved. Therefore, God sends a strong delusion so that they may what? Believe what is false. Truth goes with righteousness, falsehood goes with wickedness. Now this brings me to, I think, an important point. I don't know about you, but maybe you've heard of uh, fake news, maybe you don't trust the media, maybe you look on TV and you just actually don't know what to believe anymore. And you, you, you actually catch politicians, and maybe you catch others, scientists, athletes, who knows what else, in, in flagrant lies. And as time goes on, you start to get very angry, not only with the fact that you can't uh, believe anything that's coming out, but you just get angry with what is obviously a flagrant lie, and you're very upset about this. And perhaps rightfully, you're very upset about this and you have a case against the media. But you see, if your hatred of fake news is not not replaced by also your love for the truth, you are no different than pagans in this world. I was speaking to pagans this week who hate fake news, who hate the transgender movement in schools, who spoke with great power and unction about all of the wickedness going on. And these are young 30-year-old males who hate what they see. But that's not Christian. Christians are sanctified not by their hatred of falsehood merely. They are sanctified by the truth. And so if you are so inundated and getting mad and upset by all of the wickedness that you see around and all of the falsehood you see around, but you are not also at the same time filling your heart and your mind and your soul with God's truth, you are no different than a pagan. I don't care how angry you get at what you see out there. You need to be sanctified by the truth, not by hatred of falsehood. And there are far too many who can spend hours reading this and that and the other about all of the wicked deception of the government and this and that, but they cannot spend a few minutes being sanctified by the truth. What does that say about us? Do we really believe our holiness comes from the truth? And that's a fair question, I think, in light of the fact that we are sanctified by the truth. Your word is truth. There is a place where you can go of absolute safety. You can pick up the paper and not know whether what you're believing is true. You can go online and not know what you're reading is true. And then you can go to God's word, a place of absolute safety and peace and tranquility and you can open up these Psalms, you can open up the Gospels, you can open up any page in this Bible and you can know that God is being truthful with you about who He is, about who you are, and about all of the things that He has done, is doing, and will do. Your Word is truth. So what does he say? As you sent me into the world, and this is the really linchpin of how this all comes together, so I have sent them into the world. God could have sent his son to the Seychelles, by the way. But he actually sent him to the place where he would experience the most opposition from his own people which made it even worse. If he'd gone to Egypt, it would have been somewhat understandable. Sworn enemies of Israel, oh, they're not being nice to me, I understand this. He went to his own people and they rejected him. Now the Father sends Christ into the world, so we are sent into a place of hostility. And yet Jesus says, For their sake I have sanctified Myself. You see that word consecrate is technically could be translated that, but it would be much better for the flow of the passage for Him to say, for their sake I sanctify Myself. Because whatever we have by way of blessing is first in Christ. If He is sanctified, we are sanctified. If He is a Son of God, we are sons of God. If He is glorified, we are glorified. If he's raised, we are raised. Whatever He receives, we receive. And so He says, for their sake I sanctify Myself, that they also may be sanctified in the truth. In other words, the truth comes to us only in and from Christ. So you can't just have truth in the abstract. It's Christ's truth. And when God tells us these words, and for their sake I consecrate, I sanctify myself, Jesus is actually saying, I have set myself apart for my people. And I will do whatever is necessary to make them holy. And the glory of God's truth, His gospel, is that that whatever... I will have to do, I will do to make them holy involves Christ being accounted unholy, involves Christ being accounted as a sinner, taking our sins upon Himself so that we might be holy, taking our sins to Himself so that we might be righteous for their sake. Not for My sake. I'm already holy. For their sake, I sanctify Myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Are you sanctified in truth? Well, that all depends on whether you know the truth, because the truth will set you free, and those who are free will be free indeed. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for the truth. As much as we hate the father of lies and all of the falsehoods that come from Satan, we pray o oh lord that we would not merely hate falsehood but that we would love truth and that the truth would change us as it must do from one degree of glory to another as we behold the glory of god in the face of jesus christ we pray that we will be set free and that we can live anywhere in this world with any opposition and know that we will be protected through the prayers and through the intercession of our Savior Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.